From Los Angeles, California, this is Burncast and I'm the bomb. Happy Tutu Tuesday and welcome to Burncast. In today's episode, our guest host, Mr. Jellyfish, speaks to Dale Huntsman, also known as Mr. Fixit, who is the wise and thoughtful host of Hot Wheels Camp. But first, as always, the Burncast Community Bulletin Board. First up is an announcement that Burncast's very own lector, who helps me out with all the technical stuff on the back end in order to bring this podcast to the internet, is having a birthday this Thursday, June 28th. Now, Lecter is a lot of things. He's awesome, he's smart, he's extremely witty, and he's a wonderful friend. He's also enormously shy and extremely stubborn. He would be the last person in the world to let it be known it's his birthday. But I also know that, like all of us, he loves to be loved and appreciated for all that he does, especially on his birthday. So, if you get a moment this Thursday, drop him a line at lector at nospectators.com and let him know how much you love what he does for Burncast and also wish him a happy birthday. I've told him over and over and over again, and it's very true, that I could not produce this podcast if it weren't for him. So, Lecter, much love to you, happy birthday, and thanks for your friendship and support throughout these years. Second up on the Burncast Community Bulletin Board is a message from space. You may recall last March in Burncast number 33, my interview with Mr. Jellyfish talking about their new theme camp, LabWorks, launching at Burning Man in 2007. They are now recruiting for their final two positions for female cosmonauties. We've spent most of the morning here at the Burncast studio trying to connect with Rosario, a crew member and cosmonauti aboard the LabWorks satellite that has been orbiting planet Earth since 1973. When we finally made the connection, which was the day of the summer solstice of 2007, the sun activity was so strong it interfered with our transmission and our ability to make a clean recording. We hope you understand and now bring to you this message from space. Greetings. This is Rose Explosion, one of the cosmonauts in training for the LabWorks theme camp at Burning Man 2007. I joined LabWorks because I like to prance around the playa in sexy space costumes, do research on other myths in zero-g, and drink tang-infused vodka. If you like failed East German space programs, space food sticks, and answering any and all questions, the reply, yeah, in space, you may want to apply for the remaining cosmonaut positions in our seven-member crew. These positions are for female cosmonauts only. Why, you ask? Because we can't risk the menfolk taking over the galaxy, silly. There will be rigorous training, short skits in spacesuits, and zero drama and zero gravity. If you think you've got what it takes to join our dilapidated, stinking husk of outdated space debris, visit mutantvehicle.com and click the contact button to tell us about yourself and why you think you would be a good fit into our safety straps. LabWorks is an apocalyptic launch and a proud member of the Terminal City Theme Camp Alliance. Visit MutantVehicle.com. Everything is A-OK and green for go and our blast off to adventure in space. Thank you, Rosario. For more information about the LabWorks Cosmonauti female recruitment drive, just click on our show notes at Burncast.net. Finally, on the Burncast Community Bulletin Board, last week on Burncast, our guest Reina of Hoopnautica was offering a free copy of her instructional hooping DVD called Hoopnautic Hoop Dance to the first person who donated $25 to Burncast. Well, over 24 hours after the release of that episode, our lucky winner is Allison of Hollywood, California. Now, some of you may think that we receive hundreds of contributions every time we ask for support. 
Frankly, it would be great if we received a dozen. The truth is, it's far less than that, and if we didn't ask, it simply wouldn't happen at all. So we'd like to thank both Raina and Allison for showing their support. This week, we've got another juicy premium. Be the first person to donate $25 to Burncast, and you'll receive the debut DVD from DMT Labs called Experiment One. Now you may remember DMT Labs. They were reviewed by Burncast's music editor, Poncho Andy, a few episodes back. DMT's music is a blend of UK-style breakbeat, West Coast hip-hop, with hearty chunks of pop, rock, R&B, and Jamaican dancehall tossed in for extra flavor. The outrageous DMT Live stage show entitled Curing Sanity combines dancing girls and mad scientists in an interactive multimedia theater show that performs crazy experiments on the audience. DMT music producer Dr. Funk Monster also developed this unique brand of guerrilla theater in 2003 with Perry Farrell and the South Park creators for the famous Lollapalooza Festival. This DVD features performances of the Curing Sanity show and also provides special guest artists MC Kid from the Kid and Play House Party movies and rapper Cool Keith of the prodigy's Smack My Bitch Up, plus an assortment of L.A. and San Francisco musicians and rappers often called the West Coast Wu-Tang Clan. Again, be the first person to donate $25 to Burncast to receive this DVD. For more information, or to find out if this DVD is still available, just click on our MySpace blog. At this time, we'd like to invite all our listeners to help put Burncasts on the map by sticking a pin in our Frapper map. The map is an easy and unique way to visualize and interact with other members of the Burning Man community across the globe. You can add your name, photo, and message directly on our map. For more information, click on the Frapper Map tab located in the upper right corner of our homepage at burncast.net. Okay, let's move on with today's episode. Today, our host, Mr. Jellyfish, meets up with Dale Huntsman, also known as Mr. Fix-It, the creator of popular mutant vehicles including the Big Giant Head. Listen in as he tells engaging stories of his gift of mobility to disabled burners who might otherwise have difficulty traveling to the far reaches of Black Rock City. His goal, and that of his theme camp, Hot Wheels, is to expand and enhance the opportunities for their guests to participate. This is Mr. Jellyfish, and I'm sitting with Dale Huntsman, a.k.a. Mr. Fix-It, of Hot Wheels Camp. How you doing, Dale? Just great. Happy Good. to be here. Thanks. All right. Glad, glad to have you here on, uh, on Burncast. And I'm going to ask you a few questions. Uh, could you maybe start just telling us a little bit about the, the uh, um, Hot Wheels Camp theme camp at Burning Man? Well, um, I am the host of Hot Wheels Camp, and uh, Hot Wheels Camp is a, a camp intended to expand the opportunities for persons with mobility challenges, people in wheelchairs, people on crutches, to participate in their Black Rock experience. You know, it requires mobility to get around. The distances mm-hmm. are great. And while the, while the surface of the playa, which we so dearly love, is flat as can be, um, the distances are still great. And uh, by the way, I wanted to give a little background. Yeah, please. What's the history of... Uh, well, in 1990, I've lived in Reno all of my life. And so I saw the Burning Man community uh, develop Oh, I forgot time. to tell you something. I hate to interrupt, oh, but please. we have to play the e playa, uh, uh, the three-playa drinking game here. Oh, okay. <laughs> which means whenever we hear the word community, we have to drink. Oh, okay. Well, I, I have my glass here, so excuse me. Okay. Please proceed with the history. (laughs) Having lived in Reno all my life, once Burning Man moved from the Bay Area on Baker Beach out onto the playa, uh, we watched in the media as the almost said community, and we'd have to stop and drink. (laughs) As as the Burning Man people got together and uh, uh, and moved the event on the Black Rock Desert. Well, we have been to the Black Rock Desert over the years probably 
30 times and beginning clear back in the 1970s we used to ride our motorcycles out there so it's familiar ter uh, terrain for us and uh, it wasn't until 1999 when when my wife Linda who I've been wonderfully married to for 37 years if you can imagine wow. <laughs> um, she and I decided in 1999 to go to Burning Man for the first time and of course we arrived as starry-eyed virgins and we're just bowled over by the creativity um, the sense of togetherness and it, it actually took us a while to understand some of the deeper meanings gifting economy those types of things uh, but uh, we came to embrace the community largely ah, you did it again. oh I did it again darn it <laughs> We're not supposed to complain. We're, we're celebrating. That, right? We're celebrating. Yeah, exactly. So when so, you, uh, yeah, when when we were there in '99 for the first time, of course, a person's perception is is warped forever once you see what others do on the playa, and and uh, you walk up to an object, whether it be a a piece of art or or just an effort put forth by a group. And I just arrive sometimes with a sense of awe. Oh, my jaws drop open. My jaw just, just falls down. My arms drop to my side. And I just shake my head from left to right. And I say, how on earth did that ever get here? So I wonder, standing in front of this object, who conceived of such a thing? How did they accomplish the transportation and construction in this, in this foreign atmosphere in the middle of nowhere and how could we be so fortunate as to stand in front of this object in this moment on the playa uh, i was bowled over so many times in my first year uh, with that repeated uh, activity where um, people's creativity just uh, was off the scale you're just standing in its grace I exactly yeah. exactly and so uh, also during 99 when we were there at the same time we were being bowled over by all of the surroundings i noticed a man in a wheelchair and he had a rope attached to it and a large plastic bag, probably 30 feet across, huge plastic bag. And inside it was a whole bunch of colored helium balloons. So it had some, some uh, buoyancy. And the wind was blowing it. He was using this huge clear plastic bag as a sail to pull his wheelchair across the playa. And uh, whether he was truly a wheelchair-bound person you know, who is using it as his mode of transportation, or as so many of us have used the creativity of the wind and the flat surface just for entertainment, whether it was just somebody who brought a wheelchair, I had no way of knowing. But, but it, it heightened for me, what about the difficulty of rolling a wheelchair? And uh, the following year in 2000, as my reaction to the creativity of others, in the three weeks before Burning Man, my son and uh, Linda, my wife and I, we built a big giant head, and uh, our creativity as, as quote, artists, outsider artists, if you will, um, while people may give me credit for the building of the big giant head, and, and if you've been to Burning Man before, you've probably seen the head doing head spins, usually at night. The big giant head is a mutant vehicle. It's, it's my mutant vehicle, which I built for uh, 2000. The theme was the body. Mm -hmm. And uh, a head seemed to fit well uh, for the theme, and I had a very small electric cart, and then and my son and I began bending electrical conduit into the shape of a head. Not an easy task for an outsider artist like myself, <laughs> but uh, uh, anyway, we we got a facsimile built in the 12 foot tall range, <laughs> which uh, it was my intent to create the illusion of a head floating across the playa in the distance, and I believe. We successfully achieved that, but what many people miss sometimes is for me to be creative in my workshop, I rely upon and, and, and have the opportunity to enjoy the fact that behind the scenes, Linda is cooking my meals, <laughs> washing my clothes, vacuuming the, she even does the yard work, she's mowing the lawn. Um, and without her support, every minute of every day behind me, I don't have the pleasure and the freedom to walk out into my workshop and create something, whatever it is. And and mm -hmm. so whenever I have the, um, someone ask me about the creativity of my mutant vehicle or our Hot Wheels camp, which we're about to get into here, uh, I always 
uh, insist upon people understanding the fact that it's 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 the ones we love behind us that that make us look good. <laughs> and is is Lennon an inspiration for you, like an artistic uh, art, artist's muse? Uh, absolutely, she's an inspiration to every portion of my life. And after thirty-seven okay. years of living together, um, I'm looking forward to thirty-seven more. I hope <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> so. Um, Anyway, we built the big giant head, and we brought it in the year 2000. But that year also, having seen the man with the wheelchair, I had a small electric golf cart. And I installed hand controls of my own design in the last day before we loaded up to go to the playa, in the hopes of finding someone in need of uh, greater mobility on the playa. So we arrived, unloaded everything, etc. I'm riding my bicycle into center camp. And I see a woman in a wheelchair being pushed by a man over by the porta potties. So I rode my bike over by her and introduced myself and and asked her, "Would you be interested in a golf cart which has hand controls, which you can drive, so that you can go where you want to go when you want to go there?" So you were offering to empower her exactly. to participate exactly, in and yeah. and she was the first person I came upon who I could potentially. Uh, offer this gift of mobility to yeah. As it turned out, her name is Lady Laughter, <laughs> and uh, she has been in a wheelchair for many years. And when I made the offer to her, she began to cry. Uh, and through her sobbing, she explained that she had been in camp for three days, and while they had traveled out a few times with him pushing her, um, uh, they had not really gotten any great distance, and she was so thrilled to have someone care and have someone offer something to her. So I helped her, picked her up, light little woman, and put her in the driver's seat, got in next to her, and ran her through the controls and took her for a short drive, a couple of loops, and made her make a panic stop so that I'm sure that the safety level is high enough. Mm -hmm. And uh, and says, uh, it has about a three-hour battery charge, so I'll see you in about three hours. Uh, mm -hmm. Right back here at your camp. Their camp was just across from the porta potties there. So off she went, and I went on about my Burning Man roamings in the middle of the day that day. And by the time I got back to my camp, several hours later, there was a man there, not in an electric wheelchair, but sitting on one of those little scooters. The minute she left me, she went over to the uh, city center Burning Man Media Mecca, I think, and started asking around trying to find someone she could tell that there's a man on the playa that has this cart that wheelchair disabled people could use. And and the word of the cart's existence preceded my return to my camp, and there was already a man there wanting to use it. So obviously the need was there. The line was forming. Yeah, the line was forming. Were you worried about her being all alone? Oh, no, no, no. I had great confidence in her and the vehicle uh -huh. and and all of that. And and uh, my only surprise at the moment was the fact that she um, had gone right to Burning Man headquarters and spilled the beans, which is wonderful. It's fantastic. Mm -hmm. But she felt it was more important that others should know about it than it was for her to actually just go for a joyride in it. And so she just wanted to gift it out right away. Exactly. Yeah. She wanted to pass it along or whatever mm -hmm. you want to call it uh, instantly. And she enjoyed her first drive. And, and I got back over there and picked up the unit and and uh, took it back to camp. And in that first year, oh, we had some ups and downs. Um, uh, batteries run completely dead, those types of things. And, and I've learned several things about um, loaning out something like that, an, an electric vehicle or a mechanized vehicle to others. It needs to be simple. It needs to be bulletproof. It needs to be safe. Uh, these types of things. Uh, not to say that we haven't had our problems with safety, but you know what it says on the back of your ticket when you go to Burning Man? <laughs> you voluntarily assume the possibility of serious injury or death by attending this event. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah. And so uh, um, when you uh, when you're lending that out, um, you're, you're in a way that you're gifting. That uh, that community. Oh, there oh, I did it. Oh, that's wonderful. Thank you for. Uh, I needed a drink <laughs> of the specially abled. Uh, a lot of people that I've met that are highly motivated in assisting and gifting to the specially abled um, have had personal experience with that. You know, as a family member or something like that. Had anything mm. like that happened to you before that had made you feel a kinship for them? No, nothing uh, specifically. Um, I had suffered some. 
some heel pain of my own which made walking difficult. And so I think I was a little sensitive to the concept of long distances uh, when walking. But that doesn't really relate well to a person in a wheelchair, you know, because at least I could stand and walk, and I, as I can. I'm a fully able-bodied person. Uh, in fact, I've gotten my feet fixed, and so uh, I no longer even have heel pain. But I, I think it probably did make me sensitive to people's mobility limitations. So anyway, um, um, Lady Laughter, after having enjoyed it a couple of times during that year, and, and for example, she asked very meekly, would it be possible for me to use it on the night of the burn mm. so that I could get out to the man? Um, and I said, of course, and I will reserve it for that purpose. Well, we had some problems in the course of the week where we had uh, relays burn up and all kinds of other things go wrong, but we managed to get it patched back together with duct tape and bubble gum <laughs> to where she was able to use it. And each year since then, uh, it has been reserved for her use uh, to go to the temple burn as well as, as the burn of the man. Uh, but it was her suggestion uh, in 2001, the following year, when we all met and camped together, um, Lady Laughter said, you know, you really should make this a formal theme camp and, and look towards doing some disability work. And so I, I always uh, gladly and emphatically give Lady Laughter credit for the creation of the theme camp. Because while I may be the host and I build it and I coordinate everything and bring it all together, without her pushing me in that direction in the beginning in 2002, uh, we wouldn't have a formal theme camp called Hot Wheels Camp. All from a lady weeping in line at the porta potties. At the porta potties, <laughs> yeah. exactly. And so uh, uh, many things have happened. So many things have happened since those early years of, of creating Hot Wheels Camp. I have met so many amazing people. Um, and give me an example. Who have you met that's inspired well, you? Well, you know, let me give you some, some uh, framework, too. Uh, I don't know much about being disabled in a wheelchair because I'm not there myself. But I have never asked a person in a wheelchair why they're in that chair, how they got there. And in the many years that I've run Hot Wheels Camp, I've met probably 30 people in wheelchairs at Burning Man um, because many are repeat customers. You know, I see them again the following year. And I've never asked, and you know, not a one of them has ever volunteered uh, whether they had an accident or they started out in a wheelchair or whatever, and it sort of confirms the fact that they will make it my business if they feel it's necessary. And it's part of my um, philosophy, which has worked really well for me, to treat a person in a wheelchair exactly like you would anybody else. <laughs> treat them no different. Um, uh, when I walk up to a group of three people and one of them's in a wheelchair and I have something to talk to the person in the wheelchair about, mm -hmm. Please don't ever ask the standing person, would she like to go somewhere while pointing at the person in the wheelchair as if they're not there as a third person? I've mm. seen that happen and it offended me, and I'm sure it would offend the person in the wheelchair. And I've noticed some, some people that are, you know, hard, hard you know, professionals that, that mm -hmm. are assisting people, pushing them on mm -hmm. a wheelchair. If they're well-trained, they will ignore you. When mm -hmm. you ask them like that, and exactly. they'll just look down at the person that yeah. you should be yeah. addressing. So. so, if I want to talk to the person in the wheelchair, I uh, I get down on one knee, eye to eye, face to face, because they can't stand up, mm -hmm. right? Right. And and I just have my conversation with that person, and gotcha. uh, I have been thanked for that approach. Mm -hmm. um, I would think it would. It feels nice to be treated as a person. Yeah, <laughs> um, which brings me to one of the points I'd like to make about uh, one of my observations. My mutant vehicles are of my own design and construction, and the the goal is to allow a person who is disabled to drive the vehicle themselves, so that their mobility is not dependent on someone else. Mm. And uh, what that creates is a is a social change within their own group. Um, I had a person come to me in a wheelchair, um, a woman from New York, and she had a group of friends with her. And I offered the, the uh, Salty Snail, which is a slightly larger vehicle I built in a subsequent year in okay. 2004, um, I offered her the Salty Snail for overnight because it's gasoline power and it never runs out. <laughs> so she could go anywhere she wanted all night long. 
And uh, that's been one of my most popular ones because it'll carry up to six people. It's a bona fide mutant vehicle, but you can drive it with hand controls. Um, when, when she came back, it was actually later that night, um, she was emotionally overjoyed because what she wanted to share with me was the fundamental change in how she felt about her relationship with her friends um, at the close of that trip. Traditionally, when she's in the wheelchair, she felt like uh, she was slowing everybody down. They all had to wait until she was ready. They had to take turns pushing her. She felt like the third wheel of the group and sort of an anchor at times. Naturally, they made every effort being good close friends to include her in everything, etc. But when she got to be the driver of the vehicle that everybody is in at this party atmosphere of Burning Man... Um, where there's such a sensory overload all the way around, she said it made her feel like the alpha male of the group for the first time. Really? The, 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 the leader of the pack dog? Exactly. And, and, and that was her terminology to me, and I've used it frequently since then. It, it made a social change within her group to where you're going where I want to go, when I want to go, <laughs> and... Uh, you're coming along for the ride at, at my pleasure. <laughs> Top and, of the world, Ma. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and, and if that were the only benefit that I ever provided to a person in a wheelchair was to put them in charge at the party, um, uh, she, was, she was quite overjoyed and oh, wanted to yeah. share with me how she felt about how it had changed her Burning Man experience, not only uh, between her and Burning Man, mm -hmm. but between her and her friends. Uh, because she was able to be in charge, and uh, I think that's a fundamental and important uh, change that it creates. Um, wow. There, there's another important uh, story I'd like to tell about the use of the salty snail. Uh, a man named Rico came rolling into Hot Wheels camp in his electric wheelchair. He brought his electric wheelchair. He's um, obviously been disabled for a long time. He has very limited lung capacity. And therefore, you have to put your ear to his mouth in order to hear what he has to say. He motioned me over, and I came over, and, and he told me the dirtiest joke you ever heard in your life, whispering <laughs> into my ear, and I couldn't stop laughing. Uh, anyway, Rico asked if he could come and take the salty snail after we got through the formalities of explaining what I had to offer for him, what we at Hot Wheels Camp had to offer. Uh, he says, can I take it at 1 o'clock in the morning? Because many things heat up late at night, mm -hmm. and it's coolest, etc. And I said, sure. So I made it available for him, and he came at 1 o'clock, left his wheelchair. I put it on the, on the power grid uh, to charge it while he was gone, and uh, off he went. Later that night, I'm out riding my bicycle, um, out looking for Linda to see where she might be, you know, at, um, because I had to come back to camp in order to make the swap to lift Rico out of his electric wheelchair, put him in the salty snail, you know, physically do the work of putting him in control and sending him on his way. Uh, so I went back out to find Linda, and I'm way out on the playa. I'm, I'm beyond the temple, but not as far as the orange fence. And uh, it's pitch black, hardly anybody around me in the moment. You can hear the, the deep tribal beats of the loud sound art at two o'clock and ten o'clock you know reverberating into the distance out there one of my favorite places in the darkness in the distance uh, and and i stopped for a moment when i heard the familiar sound of the salty snail i what? built it i know what it sounds like what's it sound like it's a two-stroke <laughs> yeah exactly um and and so i stopped and turning to my ear in the direction where it came from, here comes the salty snail out of the darkness, heading on an oblique towards me. Now, Rico has no idea where I'm at, or that I'm even there, so I'm just an, you know, an observer here, a voyeur, if you will, in the moment, <laughs> mm -hmm. looking at what's taking place. And, and coming slightly towards me is my vehicle, which I built for the purpose of enhancing disabled people's experience at Burning Man, mm. allowing them to participate more because they have this mobility. 
Well, Rico has about four girls on board, one sitting next to him and some more in the back, and they're squealing and giggling and, and hooping and hollering, and of course, Rico can't because his voice isn't that loud, but he's in charge. He's managed to pick up some girls either from his camp or random or something, and the smile on his face, if I had a camera in the moment, uh, you could never repeat that smile. He was having a ball, and it was a, a serendipitous moment for me. It was a, a moment in which the fulfillment of all of my goals in building Hot Wheels Camp came to fruition. Because if no one else ever used any of the Hot Wheels that we build and bring, um, just Rico in that moment being allowed to haul those girls around while they're having fun and he's having fun, um, fulfilled all of my hopes and dreams of ever building it. And, and the moment happened randomly, accidentally, in the middle of nowhere, and no one saw it but me and even the people that I saw didn't know that I, that I was there. There's the serendipity of it. Exactly. So, so you're standing there, and you're having that moment of fulfillment, that ultimate mm -hmm. reward where you originally, you know, you did the mutant vehicles, you, you sponsored the theme camp, you mm -hmm. did everything, and now you have this defining moment as you're standing there. Tell me more about mm -hmm. how that felt. Oh my, um, I, didn't, I didn't leave the spot. I laid my bicycle down and I just stood there with my arms folded and watched until he left beyond my vision. They actually made a hard left turn not too far away from me and headed back towards town. And uh, uh, I just stood there in the darkness, silent. Uh, no, it didn't bring tears to my eyes, but I, was, uh, I, I had to absorb the moment. And, and what I was attempting to do is was put my mind on board as it drove away. I, I wanted to be there with them. <laughs> and so I, I, I just sort of lived with them and, and listened as long as I could and watched until I couldn't see them anymore. So you didn't need any accolades. You didn't need any um, artistic uh, stamp of approval or, you know, you didn't need, you didn't need applause. No, and, and, and I never have. You know, uh, I guess in, in some small way, those of us who volunteer, we do it a little bit selfishly because it makes us feel good. It made me feel real, real good in that moment to know that I had participated in, in heightening all of those people's experience, not just Rico. The girls were obviously having fun. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, I believe that I heightened their experience, and that felt good to me. So sometimes when we when we put out great effort for others, I think the whole... Burning Man group, when, when, when everyone comes to Burning Man, they're working so hard to create something for everybody else to enjoy. And where is the payoff? It's usually in how it makes us feel at the end of the day. Some people perform charitable acts or, you know, help inner city kids. or mm -hmm. They do something and they... It's so apparent to everybody around them that they're doing it for this social pat on the back that their heart is not really in it. Yeah. Clearly, your heart is in it, and you've mentioned that this is selfish, but how is that different than the person who is trying to get society to define them by saying, oh, you're such a good person for doing this, yeah, helping I, you the know, handicapped? I don't, you know? I don't ever see that at Burning Man. I don't see people at <laughs> Burning Man right. looking for the pat on the back. They're, they're looking to help each other, and um, as in any gift-based economy... When, when we gift something to, to our group, there is no anticipated reciprocity. <laughs> you know, we don't, we don't anticipate somebody's going to give us something back for it. If you're, if you're truly understanding how gifting works, uh, it's not a barter system. And I'm not giving you this mobility because I expect a trinket or a... a I do expect a hug. I want a hug. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. <laughs> yeah. Hugs are good. <laughs> Especially on Playa. Um, but I don't expect anything in return, and I don't see that from other uh, burners either. I, I don't see people out there expecting something in return. Okay, we're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back with Mr. Fixit of Hot Wheels Camp. Are you having trouble coming to grips with the gifting economy at Burning Man? Still haven't figured out how to make your time profitable without using old-fashioned cash commerce? You need the Apocalyptica Currency Exchange. Your money is no good here. <laughs> you don't need it. Let us take care of it for you. Trade in your cold, dead, boring cash for warm, cuddly gifting credits. Redeemable for everything from hugs to cigarettes to sexual favors. We are 
offer the best exchange rates available in the marketplace. You decide what your credits are worth. It's all negotiable. Your funds will be transferred to our secret numbered Swiss account for safekeeping, and we'll take very good care of them. It's that simple. The Apocalyptica Currency Exchange. Get with the program. Come talk to Killbuck under the lamppost outside the Apocalyptica Cantina today. Hi, Mr. Jellyfish again, and now that we've breached this subject, I'd like to pull on your big furry playa coat about something. If you've been enjoying listening to Burncasts as much as I have, you've heard our host, Da Bomb, ask for donations to keep things going. Well, now she's running out of bandwidth. That's the hundreds of gigabytes of storage space it takes to make all of these episodes of Burncast available to you anytime, 24-7. Now you know what I'm going to say here. Please make a donation right now to keep Burncast alive and covering Burning Man 2007 and beyond. Simply go to burncast.net and click on the support tab to make a donation of any size. I know you've thought about it, but that doesn't really make it happen, does it? DeBomb loves to help bring these shows to you to keep your burn alive throughout the year. Don't make her get all public radio fun drive on your ass. Simply visit burncast.net today and show your support. Thanks a lot. We all know good nutrition for kids is important, right? Well, so is nurturing their sense of power and entitlement. So have them start every morning with a big bowl of crunchy, delicious, fascist flakes. Part of a complete breakfast, fascist flakes contain patented nutrients that bring up the desperate in your kids. When you're hungry for power, it's fascist flakes. And we're back with Mr. Fixit from Hot Wheels Camp. So tell me uh, about tents in the morning. Well, um, I gave out the salty snail one night for an all-nighter um, to a young man in a wheelchair, and he was traveling with a group of other young men and women. And I, by prearrangement, I was going to come and get it in the morning, so because there are morning people at Burning Man, too. Not everybody's an all-night partier. And uh, some people like to to go out in the early morning. I do too. Oh, Plaza's beautiful. Oh, sunrise, uh, yeah. thumping theme camps that that worship the rise of the sun in the morning. Oh my goodness, <laughs> uh, I love to be there. Um, so by prearrangement, I was going to come not at a specific time, just playa time in the morning after sun up and pick it up. Well, I get there and and. The disabled person who's been in a chair for some time, but was not traditionally in the chair. I don't know. All I know is he's only been in the chair for a limited amount of time. Um, he was asleep in his tent. And one of the other young guys was hanging out in their communal tent, their uh, chill space, if you will. And I came in and I says, hi. And I met him, of course, when they picked up the rig. Um, I says, I'm here to pick up the deal. And he says, I, I need to talk to you. Uh-oh. Exactly. That was my reaction. Uh-oh, uh, did it break down? Did it run over somebody's foot? What happened out there? He says, you know, when we got back here, just as the sun was coming up, we're all, we're all just exhausted from being out. And these are young people in their 20s. Yeah. Um, we crawled into our tents, and my tent is right next to his tent, the disabled person. And I'm, I honestly don't remember the names, and I apologize for that. But the important thing is, he says that as I was crawling into my tent, I heard him crying in his tent. And through the tent walls, I asked him, what the heck is wrong? What's the problem? And as he regained his composure, he says, uh, I haven't had this much fun since I went in the wheelchair seven years ago. And, and he couldn't control uh, his emotions. And he was mm -hmm. crying as he crawled into bed uh, because he hadn't had that much fun in seven years. And so it's another one of the examples of how um, people's lives could be changed by an enhancement that someone might offer. And um, if you ask about payback, what do you want back? I don't ask. We don't ask. Nobody asks for something back. But to have a gift like that laid in your lap by a person mm. who felt it was important for me to hear um, that this person couldn't stop crying because he hadn't had that much fun in the seven years since he went oh, in the yeah. wheelchair. So pretty pretty amazing uh, feedback that I've gotten uh, yeah. from our Hot Wheels Camp effort. And, and to make Hot Wheels Camp work, it takes so many people. 
not just Linda behind me mm-hmm. to allow me to do all the things that I do, but we have many volunteers. Um, Lady Laughter and her life partner, uh, Dragon Maze, um, they have been at Hot Wheels Camp every year, and he's been invaluable in helping us with setup and ideas and concepts and that type of stuff. Um, we have a group of five people who come from Australia, and while they are not disabled, I could not accomplish the goal without their assistance. They come to my house, they help me with the preparation of the vehicles and the loading of them and everything here in Reno. And then we travel the short 120 miles to the playa, and uh, they help me set up the whole camp. And then they help me to operate it by coordinating uh, delivery and pickup of the, of the disabled vehicles to distant uh, camps where these people are, are staying. Mm-hmm. Um, we also recently, uh, uh, and there's Speeder Bill, who comes from Oregon uh, and helps us with early setup and is invaluable to that effort. Um, there's a couple from the Bay Area, another couple... Um, um, who just last year brought 12 electric wheelchairs to Hot Wheels Camp oh for the first time. Uh, many beautifully decorated. And, <laughs> and uh, we're now calling them the, the uh, California division of Hot Wheels Camp. <laughs> because I'm, just, I'm picturing this row all plugged into the grid, yeah. you know. Which, by the way, you're, uh, you're right by Lanceland there. I think you're one of the few camps that actually yeah, gets power. Uh, you know, Harley and, and, and the rest of the placement team at Burning Man understood immediately when we pre-registered Hot Wheels Camp um, that we were offering what they deemed to be an essential service and mm. as an essential service I asked if we could possibly have a handicapped restroom nearby uh, you know porta potty right. as well as uh, be allowed to leech off of the grid a little bit because we charge electric wheelchairs and at, at one point in uh, 2006 just this last year um, we had 11 electric uh, uh, wheelchairs or vehicles of that type on the charger at the same time plugged right. into the grid um, for people to be able to re- recharge their rigs so that they could get out and we reserve that exclusively for disabled people who bring their rigs that need charging and and maintenance yeah right well they call me mr. fix it well okay let's talk about that <laughs> mr. fix it <laughs> exactly so um, uh, I have golf carts and I bring spare parts being mr. fix it and right across the street uh, from us was a very beautifully decorated golf cart and one night they were out got a flat tire and pulled back into camp on their flat tire well I got on my bicycle to go out and see the sunrise or something and on the way back I I walked past that and I noticed they had the flat tire well I happen to have a fully inflated tire on the rim uh, in my camp which I brought as a spare for me so they're all asleep I assume I don't know I don't know these people I don't know anything <laughs> But I grabbed my little floor jack and my, my wrenches and my spare, and I went over there across the street, jacked it up, took their flat off, put on mine, um, you know, tightened it back up, took my jack, and went back home. <laughs> and, uh, assuming that they're going to come out and remember from the night before, oh, yeah, we had that flat, we're going to have to deal with that, I don't want to get up, blah, 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 and they come out, and it's fixed. And, and they have no clue as to how it happened. And, you're, you're some kind of terrorist. <laughs> I loved it. It was, it was fun. And eventually word got around and uh, they found out who had, who had committed such an offense upon their vehicle. And uh, anyway, uh, as a matter of fact, I'd like to say the word community because I need a drink. <laughs> That's good. Ah, refreshing. Yeah. Um, I have a dear friend here in Reno. I work on his default world antique car his girlfriend has a son in a wheelchair and naturally you talk about wheelchair on playa off playa you know hot wheels camp and the like he mentioned to his girlfriend um, you ought to have your son talk to Dale big Dale mr. fix it so I get a phone call Uh, the guy's name is mark he's about 28 years old and uh, he wants to come out and talk to me about building a mutant vehicle for use by a quadriplegic. He's a quadriplegic. Uh, a paraplegic is um, disabled below the waist, pretty much. Two appendages, paraplegic. Mm-hmm. A quadriplegic, all four appendages are impaired. Uh, quadriplegics have various, and I'm no expert on this, it's just what I've observed and learned. Uh, quadriplegics have various disabilities. Um, but um, usually pretty darn so. Anyway, uh, I, those may be somewhat you know gruesome details, but but P 
people in wheelchairs have some challenges that that we just don't even can't even scratch the surface yes yeah, so understanding if you have a concern like that it's kind of like hey there's a there's a kick me sign on your back were you aware of that yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly and 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 well and the problem is i'm going to be as graphic as necessary here okay. and and we believe we've addressed in burning man burning man organization combined with the disabled people in the community have come up with a potential solution but one of the problems was that many women and i don't blame them at all and many men i suppose do not want to sit on a porta potty seat mm. and there is a hovering method and if you can visualize hovering you don't really sit on it uh, you hover above it but the easiest way to hover for some people is to put your feet on either side of the opening well now you've got playa dust and whatever else was on the f on the ground on the seat area on either side of the opening in the porta potty no well, shit in, <laughs> nice <laughs> perfect thank you okay. um next right after you or later in the day or in the week up rolls a person in a wheelchair and they come in and they're about to use a catheter which means they've got to have super clean hands but they've got to use their hands to get off of the wheelchair and onto the seat where are they going to put their hands right where your feet were so we cannot have ordinary people using the handicapped porta potties because they have to be sanitary this is mm. critical for these people they come there and expose themselves to all of the all of the severity of the playa all of the temperature extremes environmental extremes um and now they have to face the challenges of just going to the bathroom <laughs> uh, yeah which is challenging enough on the playa. exactly <laughs> yeah so what the burning man organization um working together with uh people in wheelchairs as a community <laughs> what they uh, came up with is uh, a lock on all of the handicapped porta potties but how does a person get in there if they need it you know yeah. and they are in a wheelchair we're spreading the word throughout burning man uh, if you are in a wheelchair or in other ways disabled where you must have access to a disabled porta potty oh come to information center and they will have the combination that's at center camp center camp ah good and we at hot wheels camp have been entrusted with the combination okay and we are allowed to give it to people who obviously have a need for the combina combination would you like to share that combination with all our listeners uh, right now yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which changes every year of course yeah. uh, the combination does so if you see a locked porta potty, don't get pissed off about it. We're trying to keep these people uh, healthy, if yeah. possible, on the playa. Well, that's good. Well, we're going to wrap up this interview, but and I'm going to give you an uh, opportunity at the end here to um, just add anything you care to. But first, I'd like to put you on the spot with something. Sure. Um, there's someone who's very active in the burner community. Oh, oh. <laughs> time for a drink. Her name is. Her online name is Cryptofishist, mm -hmm. and you may have heard of, of Cryptofishy. She uh, suffered a tragic accident recently. Yes, she did. I read about it online. Okay. And just as we talked about previously where, imagine that she's sitting in front of me and I'm holding the wheelchair. Mm -hmm. So don't, don't uh, please, um, as you know, mm -hmm. address your response to me, but address it to her as I ask you this question. Mm -hmm. um, what would you care to offer her at either this burning man if she makes it or a, a future burning man well of course crypto um, our hearts reach out to you um, in this moment you've been through so much um, leading up to where you're at and uh, when you make it back to Black Rock City we hope all of us together as a complete burning man group um, that we together can give you the opportunity and the gift of mobility uh, to be able to move freely around the playa. That, that would be my wish for you uh, upon your return. Thanks. Our hearts are with you, Crypto Fishy. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is uh, the end of the interview, and I'd like to ask you if there's anything you'd care to share yes, with us. Yes, there is. Um, in fact, um, what would be the goal... The, the ultimate long-term goal of providing the gift of mobility, the short-term goal would be to help disabled people to participate in the community by giving them yep. mobility. There, oh, it there it is, community. That's a short-term goal. <laughs> the long-term goal would be for them to become more independent on their own. 
Now, I hadn't, hadn't thought about that long-term goal until it came to fruition in 2006. Last year, we have, I have, have many repeat customers that come to Hot Wheels Camp. Uh, I've known them over the years. They arrive in their wheelchair wondering what new creation we brought this year. And, and I had not one, not two, but three regular customers arrive on Playa with their own mutant vehicle on which they had built hand controls so they don't need us anymore. Mm. It's, it's Radical self-reliance. Yeah, exactly. It's one of the, one of the rare occasions where, where the services that you offer are no longer needed and you're happy about it. Mm. <laughs> and, and so our success story is that, that perhaps the gift of mobility um, that we offered to these people in the past led them to a clearer understanding of the fact that they too um, could accomplish these goals and bring their own mobility and not rely on somebody else radical self-reliance exactly just as you put it and and so that would be our greatest success story is that the vehicles are freed up for others and uh, they're on their own now it's like a launch pad for them yeah yeah Yeah. so that's excellent well, as I describe you to other people, Mr. Fixit, I tell them about this rare individual who has, number one, a magic workshop and an amazing treasure trove on the A mad eight, scientist eight, lab. Yes. And he has donated so many uh, parts to our projects and, and guidance uh, for Mantis and uh, for uh, Miniman and Mutant Vehicles and just really great guidance. You're one of the rare people I know of that can, can fix something and teach how he's fixing it at the same time. At the same time, conceptualize on all the different ways that it can be done. And he can do this <laughs> all verbally you. while his hands are moving. It's, it's quite amazing. So, thanks for joining us on Burncast. Thank you, Mr. Jellyfish. That was our guest, Dale Huntsman, also known as Mr. Fixit, with today's guest host, Mr. Jellyfish. You have been listening to Burncast, a podcast spreading the flames about the art, culture, and community of Burning Man. To contact us, call the Burncast hotline at 206-350-1416 or leave us a message by clicking on the MyChingo audio recorder at our website, burncast.net. A very special thanks and happy birthday to Lecter of NoSpectators.com for hosting these podcasts.